All right, hello and welcome again to the More and More podcast. This is Hampton, as always. I'm here alone again today. I'm hoping to get a guest back on next week. Um, housekeeping, in a couple weeks, I will be gone to Africa, and so I'm going to rely on Caleb and the lovely Ben Wolverton uh, to put some podcasts out while I'm gone. I'm going to try to record some and backlog them. Um, yeah, so excited to go to Africa, but not excited to be missing what's going on here. With that said, though, we're going to go ahead and jump in and get started. Today, I promised last week, as we talked about sex, by the way, the podcast on sex is out as of right now, so you need to go listen. Um, it's a little weird, a little awkward, but we're going to talk about it. But today, we're going to talk about transgenderism and what it means, what we're supposed to do about it, what is the Christian response, um, and I'm going to have to be very careful in the way that I talk, because I not because I'm afraid of offending people, um, for those of you who know me, Know that I'm I'm not really afraid of that, but I do want to make sure people understand um, me and what I'm about to say and and the Christian response on it because uh, I think the issue is of growing importance. Um, I think that the issue is of uh, growing confusion as well. It seems like nobody is using the same terms, and so when I say I want to be careful in the way that I talk, what I mean is I want to be careful that I am defining my terms really really well. That uh, I'm not using doublespeak that everyone understands uh, what I'm saying. And so with that said, let's go ahead and jump into it. I, I want to um, I want to be clear. Let's see. I want to be clear. First of all, we've got to know how to define this word transgender, okay? Um, transgender is not a word that comes easily defined, by the way, um, and it's confusing. Also, I was going to answer this at the end, but um, some people sent in this question. How do we define transgender? I love uh, one of you put morphologically, physiologically, biologically, psychologically, or just personal opinion. And I don't know why you added the personal opinion question because you know uh, that I am not one to get really excited about personal opinion. So with that being said, I want to define transgenderism. Now, Google Dictionary, okay? So just the regular old dictionary says this. Transgender is defined as an adjective denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender does not correspond with, listen, their birth sex. Okay? Now if you catch it, there's two extra terms we now have to, de we now have to define. Because this uh, definition I actually don't think helps clear it up. But what this is saying is that anybody whose sense of personal identity does not, does not match their birth sex, okay? The two words are gender and sex. Sex, undoubtedly, everyone everywhere agrees that sex is biological and physiological. The question is, is gender the same in substance as your biological sex, or is it something different? Now, this is where I've got to be very, very clear, because I could end up ticking off uh, the transgender side, of the argument, the liberal left-wing, quote-unquote, again, I'm, I'm over here doing air quotes and you can't even see me, but um, side of the argument and the, the Bible-believing Christian side of the argument. And when I say Christian, uh, you should hear Bible-believing. If you're a Christian who uh, doesn't believe the Bible is God's word, um, I believe that you can still be a Christian. I just don't know that we're going to be on the same page about everything. So when I say Christian, I'm talking about Bible-believing Christians. That said, is gender linked to biological sex? 
slash is it the same in substance? This is where I can tick off both sides with what I'm about to say. I do not think this is I and not the Lord. Okay? I do not think gender is the same as biological sex, meaning we can use those words interchangeably. I think uh, that our culture has made that impossible. I also think there are some subtle scientific differences. Sex is clearly linked to physiology and biology. Okay? So I do not think gender is the same as sex. Now this is where I'm going to tick off the left side of the argument. I also don't think that gender is substantively... Did I say that word right? Substantively? Caleb. Caleb's not here. I don't think gender is the exact same thing as sex. But I also don't think that it's different than sex. There's got to be some middle ground. So what I'm saying is we can't use the terms interchangeably, but we can know that gender is absolutely linked to sex. Meaning, if your sex is as a biological male, then your gender, your true gender, okay, your true understanding of gender is different, but your actual gender is also male. But it's not only your biological characteristics, it also includes psychological and physical definitions. So your gender is linked to your biological sex and is the same markers, but it encompasses more. Your gender encompasses your sex. It also encompasses your physiological, psychological characteristics and includes all of that. And so when we talk about someone who is transgender, we are saying that it's someone who is transgender, their personal identity does not match the sex that they were born with, but it also, by connotation, reveals that what they view themselves is aberrant in their gender. Their their gender is not just uh, trans, meaning that it changes, or it's malleable, which I'll address that a little later, It's not just malleable. They're actually going to be forced to admit, hopefully, that there is an aberration or an abnormality in the way that their gender uh, and their brain is operating. Someone who is, I don't want to say perfectly aligned, but basically someone who is a male who believes that they are male, who is not transgender, a, a male who is aligned correctly, will exhibit... The psychology of a male. Now, I'm not getting into the fact that there is a uniform way that males think. I know plenty of males that think differently, but there are some basic characteristics that are the same. For instance, it is, it is a standard fact that men and women have different interests. Standard. Across the board. It's a standard fact that men are more aggressive than women. In fact, we are one full standard deviation more aggressive than women. The average male is one full standard deviation more aggressive than the average female. That's, that is a fact. Harvard has shown that. It, it, it's, I, people that argue about that, I, I just... It's a fact that men are physically stronger on average than women. That's a fact. I'll tell you another fact. Studies have shown that women are, by and large, listen, by and large, uh, better at understanding emotion. Not that they're emotional. I'm not saying women are emotional. I would, uh, that's stupid. I'm saying they're better at understanding and uh, using emotion to drive them. Men are not, not good at 
navigating emotion. We can be, but women are better. I'll give you another one. Women are better and more interested in, scientific facts, nurturing. So there are some differences. So what we mean when we say transgender is that there are some aberrations in what this is. Sorry, I just got a text with some pretty good news. I'm pretty pumped about it. So what we've... I'm all distracted today. I felt like last week I was like down. I don't know. Like I felt like the sex talk was really, really raw and good, but I also felt like I wasn't at my best that week. So hopefully this week I'm making more sense. I want to say this. I've, I've brought up some studies from, from left-wing sites, from right-wing sites, from down-the-middle sites that are going to try to talk through some scientific understanding of what this means. So we define transgender as someone who has a different idea in their personal identity from their biological sex, and it means that there's an aberration in the way that they are understanding their gender. Gender is not the same as biological sex. It encompasses more things. Uh, biological sex carries with it different connotations. Gender includes the biological sex, but is not limited to it. Now, I also want to make one very quick distinction. Transgenderism and intersex are not the same. Intersex is a person whose uh, actual sex, whose uh, phys physical, biological sex is misconstrued. Or uh, they, they have characteristics of both. There are babies that are born this way, and the doctor makes an assignment. Now, this is like point. 0.1% of the population. But I actually want to say this. The fact that inter intersex stuff exists um, means that uh, there are two genders. It actually reinforces the idea of gender. Because when we say, uh, and sex, it reinforces the idea of sex. People that say that there's no such thing as male and female. Well, I think intersex actually serves to bolster that. Because um, what it means is, when we say they have both characteristics... What are we saying? They have male and female parts. Also, just in, uh, in the, the world around us, animals, we're, we call them male and female because they have male and female sex organs. Flowers have male and female sex organs. So this is not a, um, a new thing. This is not a weird thing. Uh, this is not something we have to be afraid of. Every, everywhere in the world, we know that there are at least male and female biological sex. Now we've got to talk about gender. So I want to say this. I want to answer two questions uh, that I, I kind of want to pose to you guys on my own. Then I want to get to some Instagram send-ins. Then I'm going to talk about stuff I hate and stuff I like and all that good stuff really quickly. So I need to move on because I'm already like, oh, 10, 11 minutes. I've been talking for a while. Listen, what should we say to transgender people? The two questions I want to ask is this. First off, is transgenderism valid? When I say valid, meaning... Uh, should we lend weight to people with this? So I'm going to talk about gender dysphoria. Is it a mental illness? All of that stuff. I'm going to try to address that. And then I'm going to say, answer a second question, is is transgenderism profitable? Profitable. Is it valid and is it profitable? First of all, is transgenderism valid? Is it valid for someone to change their identity or to view their identity as as um, malleable. To this, I don't have a clear answer. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. On one hand, yes, it is valid because these are people. And we, we should be able to talk through what people are feeling and what people are thinking. We should be able to have honest conversations. Now, I mean this on both sides. 
There's a very big problem on the right of most issues in the Bible-believing church uh, with the inability to have conversations surrounding this issue except to say, you're not that. You're not male. You're not female. Stop doing that. It's like we're not willing to have the conversation. That doesn't make any sense to me. But there's also an unwillingness on the other side as well. If you don't believe that I am, I am actually what I say that I am, then you hate me. That's not the case either. We've got to be willing to have the conversation. So yes, it is valid in the sense that we should all be working towards something. We should all be open to having people who disagree with us to work with us. But then there's this whole other thing, and the answer, uh, is this valid in the sense that it is true? I say no. Yes, is it valid for discussion, for emotional um, understanding, for love? Yeah, it is. Is it valid in the sense of truth? To that I say no. To that I say no. And I'll tell you why. The reason why I don't think that transgenderism, that you can be something else, not that you can feel like you're something else, because people feel like that all the time, the reason why I say that it's not true in the sense that you actually are something, meaning if I'm born and my biological sex is male and I feel like a woman, the reason why I think that is not a true thing that I am a woman is very simple. I don't think science supports it. Now notice I have yet to go to the Bible. The reason why I have yet to go to the Bible is simple. Because all truth is God's truth. God is the author of all truth, meaning God is not surprised by science. He's not in opposition to science. I don't think science supports it. And actually, I would go as far as to say is that that's pretty well known. So I'm going to pull up the articles that I have. All right. First of all, you need to know this. Johns Hopkins uh, pioneered the sex reassignment surgeries. They no longer do them. They no longer perform sex reassignment for a simple reason. Sex reassignment doesn't seem to fix the reality. Sex reassignment, they're saying, doesn't work. Meaning that when people get reassigned to the gender that they think they are, it actually doesn't fix any of the emotional problems. Meaning there's something underlying transgenderism. So let's start with article number one. I'm going to quote here from the... Uh, Dr. Paul McHugh, who's a professor of psychiatry at Johns Hopkins, and he says this, Transgendered men do not become women, and transgendered women do not become men. All become feminized men or masculinized women, counterfeits or impersonators of the sex with which they identify. And that lies their problematic future. What is that problematic future? Well, Studies show, and this is another one of my articles, but studies show that 40% of transgender people before having sex reassignment surgery will, commit, will try to commit suicide or commit suicide. That is heartbreaking. If you're listening to this podcast, and I, and I hope you are, and you're a transgender person, and you're thinking about ending your life, please, please don't. Please know that there are people, including myself and the church that I'm a part of, who will love you to the nth degree. Please don't do that. Please seek help. If you're at the University of South Carolina, seek counseling. There's counseling available for free. 
Please come to our church. Please contact me. I want to talk to you, but please don't do that. But studies also show that after sex reassignment surgery, the rate of suicide is 39%. Meaning that fixing the problem doesn't actually fix the problem. That's why the professor from John Hopkins writes that. Now, the Guardian summarized the results of a review. So the Guardian, I would say, is down the middle to left-leaning news website in the UK. Summarized the review of more than 100 follow-up studies of post-operative transsexuals, and they say this. It's called the Aggressive Research Intelligence Facility, which conducts reviews of healthcare treatments uh, for National Health Service, concludes, this is the part, that none of the studies provides conclusive evidence that gender reassignment is beneficial to the patients. It found that most research was poorly designed because it skewed the results in favor of physically changing sex. There was no evaluation of whether other treatments, such as long-term counseling, might help transsexuals, or whether their gender confusion might lessen over time. We've actually found that, uh, since then that it does. Chris Hyde, the director of the research facility that conducted the study, says there is huge uncertainty over whether changing someone's sex is a good or a bad thing. That's unreal. Think about that. And it's not just science. Uh, the Obama administration in 2016 came to a similar, similar conclusion. They were, it was requested of them that sex reassignment surgery be covered by Medicare plans. This is what they put out. In their proposed decision memo for gender dysphoria and gender reassignment surgery, they said this. Based on thorough review of the clinical evidence, this is the Obama administration, Available at this time, there is not enough evidence to determine whether gender reassignment surgery improves health outcomes for Medicare beneficiaries with gender dysphoria. There were conflicting study results, meaning inconsistent. The quality and strength of evidence were low due to mostly observational study designs with no comparison groups. Many studies reported... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, yeah. The final, the final memo, so that was earlier in 2016, the final memo came out in August. Overall, the quality and strength of evidence were low due to mostly observational studies with no comparison groups. Keep going. And lack of validated assess, assessment tools, considerable loss to follow-up. Meaning, loss to follow-up, that's the term I want to focus on. Loss to follow-up is also pointing people who to people who committed suicide or who no longer wanted to participate in the study. It's insane. But I want to keep going. The reason why I don't think transgenderism is valid on a scientific or truth-based level, again, valuable to discuss and to walk with people, but the reason why I don't think it's valuable on a truth-based scale is very simple. It's it just doesn't seem to bear out in science. It doesn't seem to actually reflect the reality. I want to go to another article. If I can get my article to pull up. I can't seem to enter my password. There it is. I want to go to another article. This article is by fairplayforwomen.com, which is a, uh, a feminism uh, website. It's an activist for, for feminists. And they... you. 
honestly, we identify feminism with transgenderism often. We think they're on the same side of things. I actually think they're in opposition. This website does as well. But they say this. They, they quote several studies and find this. I want to read. The idea that children are born with innate gender identity, which develops prenatally and is impervious to environmental influence, is not supported by any credible science. Body and brain are interconnected. Scientists have found no separate innate gender area of the brain. Children's brains are plastic. They develop through interaction with people and the environment they are constantly absorbing information and influences that change them. And so I think it is more likely not that people are born in the wrong body, but that some experience has shaped them. There is no evidence, uh, according to the um, study by Associated Scientists at Rockefeller University in New York in 2015, there is no evidence that there is a male and female brain. In fact, the, um, aside, there, there, there are evidence that are outworked in characteristics, but I'm talking about the actual physiology of the brain, the, the makeup of the brain. There, there isn't any evidence that transgender males have... Uh, female brains or transgender females have male brains. There's no evidence of that according to this study. So we see that sex reassignment doesn't work. We see that there is zero evidence uh, that there is a, a, a specific gender uh, at birth and that you can be born in the wrong body. We don't see any evidence of that. What we instead see is that it is far more likely that there is a set of experiences that will affect us. Now, this will affect males and females, but I think it also may be the underlying issue. Maybe the underlying issue. I want to pull up an article from USA Today, which is certainly not a right-leaning article. This is an opinion article, but it's written by someone named Walt Hare, who is a contributor... This is as of February 2019, who talks about his own transgender journey. He says this. I'm going by the name Walt, calling him he, so just stay with me. I started my transgender journey as a four-year-old boy when my grandmother repeatedly over several years cross-dressed me in full-length purple dresses and told me how pretty I was as a girl. This planted the seed of gender confusion that led me to transitioning at age 42 to a female. I lived as Laura for eight years, but as I now know, transitioning doesn't fix the underlying ailments. Studies show, listen, that most people who want to live as the opposite sex have other psychological issues such as depression or anxiety, meaning that gender dysphoria, if we're to classify it as a mental disorder, is actually linked to other mental disorders. And this is how they work. This is why we often categorize anxiety and depression in the same box. It's actually linked to gender dysphoria. Eventually, my parents found out and my unsupervised visit to grandma's house ended. I thought my secret was safe, listen, but my teenage uncle heard about it and felt that I was fair game for taunting and sexual abuse. I wasn't even 10 years old. If not for, this is a key, if not for the purple dress, I believe I would, have not, I would not have been abused by my uncle. The abuse caused me not to want to be male any longer, and cross-dressing gave me an escape. I lay awake at night, and this is heartbreaking. 
secretly begging God to change me into a girl. In my childlike thinking, if only I could be a girl, then I would be accepted and affirmed by the adults in my life. This is a man who who later would go on to have a wife and kids, but who was living this, this double life and eventually would seek to have a fresh start, would seek to become a woman. He was fired because he told his employer he was going to transition. He talks about his experience getting a transition. Then he says this, The reprieve I experienced through surgery was only temporary. Hidden underneath the makeup and female clothing was the little boy hurt by childhood trauma. I was once again experiencing gender dysphoria, but this time I felt like a male inside a body. Man. I was once again experiencing gender dysphoria, but this time I felt like a male inside a body refashioned to look like a woman. I was living my dream, but I was deeply suicidal. This person is brave. This person has valid things to say. And this person is saying, essentially, that gender reassignment should have fixed the problem, that I was born in the wrong body. But what he found when he transitioned is that he changed his sex, but then he began to feel like the other sex. What does that tell us? It tells us that gender dysphoria is a lie. And I don't mean a lie in the sense that the person is not valid. This person is very valid. I mean that our brains have lied to us. And for him, it was linked to childhood trauma. I think childhood trauma affects the way that we operate anyway. It's so funny. When we talk about toxic masculinity, we say that a lot of times the way that we're brought up encourages us to be toxically masculine. Of course that's true. Why would it be any different for transgender people? If my desire to fight when I get angry or to talk down to people, if that can be linked to the way that I was raised, and and I wasn't raised with a father who talked down to me. I wasn't raised with a father who taught me to fight. Actually, the opposite. Uh, He taught me to to be kind. But, But somewhere along my upbringing, I'm certain that I learned that it was better to be masculine, to be macho, and I'm working on that. But if my childhood experiences taught me that, why wouldn't childhood experiences also contribute to transgenderism? Toxic masculinity is a lie. Macho destruction is a lie. Now, not all masculinity is toxic, and maybe that's its own episode, but that's the reality. In the same way, listen, for women who who are toxically uh, feminine, meaning they get walked over by, by men that they shouldn't, I think somewhere along the line, childhood trauma has led to that as well. The reality is, is that what we learn before the age of 18 shapes us, always. So I think it's true. I think it's true that transgenderism is linked to childhood trauma, to childhood upbringing, to plasticity of brains in young adults. But I don't think it's true that just because you feel a certain way, you should get to be that other way. So this brings us quickly to the second, second question that I asked, which was, is Gender dysphoria, is transgenderism profitable for those that have it? That answer is, of course, a resounding no. 40% suicide before and after reassignment surgery leads to confusion. 
leads to anger. Simple. So if you're listening to this and you're transgender or you're listening to this and you have a friend who's transgender, I just want to pose the question. Could it be that you're believing a wrong thing? Could it be that those feelings that tell you that you're something else or those feelings that tell your friend that they're something else, could it be that those feelings are lies to them? Like that you're, because I'll tell you this. I'll tell, I, man, I do this every week. I get emotional in here and this is like, it's like turns into like a personal therapy session, which may be good, but thing that I believe about myself a lot, because the reality is, is not just because you believe it doesn't mean it's true. And that's not like a truth claim. I'm talking about me thing that I believe all the time is that the people that love me are going to leave me. I believe that. I legitimately believe that. Often. And so I work really, really hard to make people stick around in my life. I work really, really hard um, to make people think that I'm good enough. And I don't just mean in that the sense they're going to like stop talking to me or stop being my friend. I mean that they're going to value someone else over me. It's a lie. That's a lie. And that's not how the world works. But I believe it often. But it's a lie. I'll tell you something else that I struggle to understand and to believe. So almost daily, man, this is, this is even, oh gosh, I don't like doing this. I struggle, I operate on a spectrum. So I just told you that I work really, really hard to convince people to love me, right? That's basically what I said. But there's another end of the spectrum. The other end, is that if I form no attachments with people and keep people at arm's length, that they can't hurt me. There's so many lies in that feeling, I can't, I can't even begin to, to point them all out. First of all, that, that attachment equals love. Second, that every person who gets attached to me will leave or will not love me. Third, that somehow I can keep people out. No, you can't keep people out. You can't live that way. It's a lie. So I'm just asking the question is, is the way that you feel true? Just because you feel it, the answer is no to that. You can feel certain things all day long. It doesn't make them true. Now I'm operating as someone who thinks it's absolutely there's absolute truth. If you're sitting, listening to this, and you're saying there's no absolute truth, the problem is you just said a truth statement. To say there is no absolute truth is... Uh, a tautology. It can't be true because you're claiming it as an absolute truth statement. So, so we find that transgender people are valid. Transgenderism, not valid scientifically. And third, not valid in the sense of truth scientifically. And third, it's definitely not profitable. So what should we say? This is where I want to go into some of the Instagram questions because I think they're really, really good. Um, let me... Pull that up. Get out of my articles here. Man, I feel good about today, huh? Is anybody smiling? hope so. Somebody asked, I think, um, jokingly, how many genders are there? Uh, the answer for, for me is two. There's um, the male and the female. Again, intersex is, is sex-related. It has nothing really to do with uh, gender or transgenderism. Uh, transgender is not its own separate gender. It simply says, I don't feel like I match my biological sex. It, again, I actually think that mindset uh, reinforces the two genders because what you're saying is I don't feel male. You're saying male exists. You can't say 
uh, I don't feel like this, and then say this thing doesn't exist. Uh, there are two. What's the next one? <laughs> this person's an idiot. I'm not even going to read this. I, somebody asked where do babies come from on this Instagram thing, trying to make me laugh, and they did, but I can't read it. I just read it, but you get it. This is an interesting question that I want to talk about. I already uh, answered how do you define gender. I want to answer this. Do you think we should make transgender surgery illegal? This is where I'm going to part company from a lot of my um, Christian Bible-believing brothers and sisters um, in that I don't think this is a philosophical question. This is where my, my politics and my worldview comes out a little bit, but I don't think we should make things illegal that, that harm us. Meaning the things that are illegal, that should be illegal, are things that um, when I make a choice to harm you, that's illegal. Murder, thief, theft, rape. I almost said thief. <laughs> theft, rape, um, whatever else, right? There are things that harm you. I, I'm really iffy to make things illegal with things with, that people choose that harm only themselves. Because I think we get into slippery slope there. And so I'm going to say, uh, I don't know. I haven't worked this out. I would say I'm reluctant to make anything illegal that is someone's personal choice, even if that personal choice harms them. It's like saying, should we make attempted suicide illegal? I, like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. But then you're going to ask me, should we make drugs illegal? I don't know. We tried it with prohibition and it didn't work. I'm not saying go use drugs. I'm saying I don't. Legality and morality are different. Is it is transgender a moral issue? Yes. Is it does that then make it a legal issue? I don't know. So I'm not again. Hear me. I'm not saying I'm pro transgender surgery. I'm saying I have no idea. I'm saying when it comes to my personal politics, I am more inclined to err on the side of not infringing on people's personal um, things that harm only themselves. Now, if you're listening and you're like, the podcast on abortion was last week. Yeah, that's because the, the fetus is a human, is a baby. So it harms someone else. That's why I think abortion is a different story. But with transgender surgery, I just don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I, yeah, I'm done talking about it because... I'm just going to keep saying I don't know. I'm going to try to parse it out. I'm not going to come to a conclusion in the next, I don't know, 15 minutes or so that I'm not even, five minutes that I'm going to be talking. So I'm going to leave it with I don't know, but I'm willing to come back to it if somebody wants to come on and talk about it with me. Um, this is the most important one and the one I want to end with. What is the Christian response to someone who believes they are in the wrong body? Believes they are in the wrong body. Body. First of all, um, your response needs to be truth and love, but that does not mean, hear me, that does not mean all love and no truth, and it does not mean all truth and no love, but it also doesn't mean telling a person that they're wrong lovingly. Hear me. Whenever we disagree with someone, Whenever we know the truth and that a person doesn't believe the truth, our obligation is, is to the truth and not to the wrongness of that person. Did you get that? When someone says, I think I'm in the wrong body. I'm a boy. I was born a biological male, but I, I just feel like a woman or I feel like another. Our obligation is not to say, 
hey, I love you, but you're just wrong about this. There's a nuance. Our obligation is, I love you, and God doesn't make mistakes. I think you're believing something that's wrong, but I think you are valuable. There's a nuance. Your obligation is to the truth and not to their wrongness. As Christians, we should tell the truth in love, but we should not always be about the wrongness of another person. We should encourage people to believe truth by proclaiming truth, not by proclaiming that they are wrong. So if you want to know how to respond to someone you love that you disagree with or that thinks they're in the wrong body, you first need to seek to understand. When you say that you think that you're in the wrong body, why do you think that? What does it feel like to believe that? How do you feel when people say this to you? Seek to understand is always step one. That means asking really, really good questions. Number two, how should Christians respond? Uh, first, go to the gospel. Not to your philosophy on transgenderism, not to the scientific studies that I just point out, but to the gospel first. Our King Jesus is awesome. And he loves you and he made you. The Bible says he knit you in your mother's womb. Meaning that he knew you beforehand for the foundations of the earth. And so when you say you're in the wrong body, it's not the body that's the problem and it's not you that your, your brain makeup that's the problem. There may be something else at play. That's the gospel. And Jesus died to redeem all the bad things about you. That's the gospel. Jesus died to save. It's the gospel. Go to the gospel. And number three, then be smart about the way that you defend a position. I'm talking to me just as much as I'm talking to any of you because I am notorious for not defending positions well. I'm notorious for making myself look like a jerk, but I'm working on it. And so you've got to Start with understanding, move to the gospel, and then move to arguing well. Not arguing with intent, but arguing well. You know how to do that. I don't have to give you pointers. Seek to understand, share a meal, invite someone into your home. Don't debate with signs and stapled articles. Debate with kind words, smiles, understanding, and over a meal. That helps. All right, I want to get into some stuff I like and some stuff I hate, and then we're going to get out of here. Um, first thing, stuff I hate. Um, I was in D.C. on vacation all last week, and it was awesome. I got to say this. Uh, D.C., probably my favorite American city that I've been to because um, I love politics, in case you can't tell. I love um, this country. I, I love all of that. I'm not going to get into how I feel about Donald Trump. I may end up doing that some other day later, but... Um, I have a complicated relationship with, with the man. So, um, yeah, I, I went to D.C. And I went to the thing on the mall, right? The 4th of July parade on the mall. The National Mall, not like uh, the Briarcliff Mall or wherever your local mall is, but the Mall of America. I went to this thing on the mall, and it was awesome. But the thing I don't like is that and I feel like a, a conspiracy theorist railing on the media, but the media played up how much conflict there was and how much we all hate each other in line. 
had a conversation with a Norwegian couple who had three kids with them about Donald Trump, and they were saying how much they were expecting uh, for there to be some problems at this event where Donald Trump was speaking that I was at, and how much uh, they thought that everybody was in, that Donald Trump was just bashing people on the border and that everybody was in agreement. And I, and I just sat there thinking, wow, you, you didn't get the other side that there's like a whole argument to the immigration. I'm not saying I'm on either side. I'm just saying like you're not even getting both sides. So the thing I hate today is that in a, on a day where America is supposed to be united over love for um, country and for one another, the media made it look like we were more divided than ever. When I was leaving the mall, the guy behind me was freely and openly talking about how he didn't like Donald Trump, and the guy in front of me was wearing a MAGA hat, and he was smiling and laughing. They weren't at odds. They didn't dislike each other. I don't know, man. It, it, just, seemed, it just seems like the media is ginning us up for something, and I hate that because the reality is, is I don't think that's the case. I think we have a lot more in common than we think. And we're willing to talk. Most people are willing to talk. It's usually the silent minorities on both sides who are not willing to have actual uh, discussion and conversation. The, the thing that I like this week is a couple of things. First of all, D.C. is beautiful. It's hotter than Hades, but it's beautiful. I love fireworks. Um, I went to a really cool party on a rooftop fireworks. So uh, shout out to um, my friends out there who host me on the rooftop. Um, so I like that. I like the uh, Lincoln Memorial. That may have been one of my favorite things. And the Newseum, the Newseum, um, the Museum of the News there. Those are my two favorite things that we saw just because um, Lincoln was a man who stood up for what he believed in and sought to unite a country. And he was actually in the middle of all the issues, but he, he sought to unite a country, and that was really cool. And the Museum was just cool in and of itself. The last thing I like is this, and I want to end here because this spoke to me. I'm reading this book. It's not a great book. It's called Passages to India. It's one of Time Magazine's top 100 English language novels. It's about uh, British occupation in India. And these two characters, one is a British guy and an atheist named Dr. or Mr. Fielding, who is a, the head of a school. He's like the principal of a, of a boys' school in India. British guy. And then an Indian Muslim named Aziz. And there's this moment where they're starting to get to know each other and they're starting to see where they differ. And um, Aziz, in, in this moment of, of revealing something about himself, shows uh, Mr. Fielding a picture of his dead wife. And this is a big deal because his wife was a Muslim. And so she covered herself from head to toe. And they have this conversation. I want to read it to you because Aziz says something interesting. Let me go back to the page that I actually want to start with. Yeah. This is uh, Mr. Fielding that it's talking about. After he shows him this photograph, he says this. He was astonished. As a traveler who suddenly sees between the stones of the desert flowers. The flowers have been there all the time, but suddenly he sees them. He tried to look at the photograph, but in itself, it was just a woman in a sari facing the world. He murmured, really, I don't know why you pay me this compliment, Aziz, but I do appreciate it. Oh, it's nothing. She was not a highly educated woman or even beautiful, but put it away now. You would have seen her, so why should you not see her photograph? Mr. Fielding says, 
You would have allowed me to see her? Why not, says Aziz. I believe in the purda, meaning her covering, but I should have told her you were my brother. And she would have seen you. Hamidullah saw her and several others. Mr. Fielding says, did she think they were your brothers? This is what Aziz says. Of course not. But the word exists and it is convenient. All men are my brothers, and as soon as one behaves as such, he may see my wife. And when the whole world believes as, behaves as such, excuse me, there will be no more purda, meaning covering. It is because you can say and feel such a remark that I show you the photograph. So what has happened is Aziz has revealed something about himself. His wife has died, and he is showing her to this man simply because the man is his brother. Now again, one's Indian, one's an Indian Muslim, one's a British atheist. They come from two different worlds. It's kind of the whole point of the novel, as I understand it. But Aziz is showing him his, his darkest, not darkest, his, his deepest version of himself, the secret, his, his dead wife. And he's showing him that because all men are his brothers. Now what he's saying is, is that it, is, it would be lawful for a brother to, to see the face of, of this man's wife. And he's saying, all men are my brothers. And as soon as someone behaves like my brother, he can have access to the very part of me. The thing that struck me about this, the reason why I like this is this. First of all, Aziz's statement, all men are my brothers. That's important. But he also says, as soon as someone behaves like my brothers, then he can see my wife. Then he can see my, my very self, the thing that I hide. In America, we have, I think, lost this idea that all men are our brothers. And that when someone behaves like my brother, meaning they exist, meaning they operate in a way that doesn't do me harm, that they should get to see things about me. What I took from this is that we should be able to have conversations where we reveal things about ourselves and not fear judgment. This includes me as a conservative, white, male, American, whatever, and you, whoever you are, be it transgender, gay, black, white, something else. We should get to reveal things because all men are our brothers. And not fear judgment and have honest conversations about what that means. What would happen after this is a conversation about Aziz's wife, where they actually grow closer because of it. So this week, my charge to you is simple. Would you just slow down? Realize that everybody's your brother and that that means something? That means that you should be able to reveal and have things be revealed to you? And that should encourage you to know one another better. It struck me this week. I don't know why. Got me a little emotional too. So that being said, um, that's it for the More and More podcast this week on transgenderism. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as always, follow us on Instagram at More and More Podcast. Um, follow me at Hampton Harmon if you so choose. I, I love hearing from you. Also, I haven't said this in a few weeks, but leave us a review, preferably five stars, unless you really hate us, and then leave us something else. But Five stars, feel free to write a review if, if you'd be so inclined. Um, that helps boost our popularity. We've got a five-star rating right now, so I really appreciate you guys doing that. But continue to review us on uh, iTunes. Um, I love you guys. As always, you can reach out. We're going to talk through some um, some things next week I'm pretty excited about. So with that said, um, yeah, this has been the More and More Podcast. Thanks for listening. See ya.